Good morning, everybody. Good song, that one. Touched on some of the things we're going to pray about today. Good worship leading. Touched on some of the things we're going to pray about today. With the holiday sins season ending for us adults, it's probably a good time to think about and to pray about the year ahead. So let us pray. Father, we thank you that even though the years may come and go, you stay the same, eternal, everlasting and glorious. We praise you that you've remained the same since the beginning, that you're the same now and that you will stay unchanged as the future unholds. Father, help us to understand that who you are your nature, your character, your ways, your plans and your purposes are all constant things on which we can depend and trust. Father, we pray that you will deepen and strengthen our faith in who you are now and in whatever difficult times may lie ahead. Father, we acknowledge that last year and several years before that, we've been troubled and distressed by epidemics, by catastrophes, by new outbreaks of war and what seems to be the seemingly endless daily parade of new injustices, new inhumanities and brutalities inflicted by man against his fellow man. Help us, Father, to understand that from your viewpoint there is nothing new under the sun. Help us, Father, that in this year ahead you will give us more understanding of what is happening around us from your eternal viewpoint. Help us to look for and see more of your big picture and where we fit in or where we might fit in. Father, we pray that when the unexpected happens, whether it be personal or even global, you will help us understand that you knew all about it before it even happened. Help us to expect that you can use the unexpected to grow us, to mature us and to draw us closer to you. Help us, we pray, that when the unexpected happens in the year ahead, as it will, you can make all things work for good in us and become part of your eternal purposes and plans. Father, we thank you at the start of this year for what you've already done in our lives. Help us reflect on our knowledge and understanding of you, from our worship, from what we've learnt about you, and from our experiences of your presence and activity in our lives, especially in the hard times. Help us to consolidate and strengthen these understandings into really firm foundations for our future growth and our future fruitfulness. Help us, we pray to strengthen and grow our relationship with you, both as individuals and as this church. Help us to become more aware of your involvement in our lives. Help us, we pray, to understand that your active presence in our lives is designed to increase our faith and to advance your eternal plans and purposes. Help us understand that our character and faith are best built through adverse and testing experiences. Help us, we pray, 
that when you do choose to initiate an encounter with us, that we will respond obediently. We will respond immediately. We will respond fully, and it will deepen our faith and our trust in you. Father, we don't know whether this year Jesus will return as he promised, but we pray, Father, that you will lead us and guide us and encourage us to prepare and remain prepared for his return. Help us to be involved in your preparations, in your plans and purposes. Save us, we pray, from the trivia, the distractions and the temptations of this world that we live in this year. We ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm delighted to welcome my wife, Carol, who is going to carry on this morning. I don't mean carry on. I mean, she's going to, I mean, continue. That's a big expectation. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to you at home as well. Um, Today, I'd like to tell you a story. And uh, with my apologies to those of you who have heard part of the story before, and it's about carrying the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit, as Sue so beautifully talked about this morning. And I pray that the Lord will use it for his purposes, and I'm glad to say that it does have a happy ending. Uh, A famous Scottish Bible teacher and evangelist in the 1800s, Oswald Chambers, once said that we are more likely to come to terms with reality when we understand that life in a fallen world is more tragic than orderly. And we only have to look around us today to see how true that is. But regrettably, we all struggle with the issue of dependence and find it difficult to totally rely on God. We don't need God when things are going well. And at these times, we are not living in God's grace so much as in our own strength. And so we find it hard to surrender to him when circumstances take a sudden turn for the worst. And we learn then that our own strength is not enough. We fail to see that God uses trials to teach us our need to trust him and depend on him. And we put great emphasis on that in our worship songs and our prayers. But it's another matter when it comes down to actually doing it. But thankfully, God's commitment to his people is grounded in himself and his power to save and restore And as we lift our eyes off our problems and fix them on him, we discover how all-sufficient he really is. In 1989, my first marriage ended. A third person was involved in the breakup, and the following 12 months were very, very difficult. Not only was our marriage in tatters, but my husband was under investigation by the Australian Tax Office and the Federal Police. And this involved raids on our home, our mail being intercepted by the authorities and unmarked police cars watching our comings and goings. No criminal charges were ever laid against him, but we were both made bankrupt and lost our home. And in the middle of all that, my first grandchild was born. And she was truly a gift from God and a ray of sunshine at that time. But her arrival also drew me back from the dark thoughts that I had been having. After six months of separation, my husband and I were attempting reconciliation. 
when he became involved in a group that mixed New Age practices, humanism and Christian teaching. He believed this would bring about the conversion of many people and do untold good. But it was actually a cult led by a powerful and manipulative woman who believed in karma and reincarnation. She received her guidance from spiritual guides and her mentor was a woman who'd been highly involved in Scientology. And after weeks of trying to alert him to the dangers of his involvement in this group, we parted for the second time and he stayed with the group. The main concern for me in all this was my 12-year-old son. He needed to spend time with his father, but in doing so was being exposed to the influence of this group. Its activities were being reported on the front page of the daily paper and on TV. And I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to pray. Part of God's plan for me at that time was leading me to attend the charismatic convention and Bob Mumford preached on carrying the presence of Christ. The text had been 1 Samuel chapter 6 and the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the Philistines and as a consequence God had inflicted them with plagues. They decided that they should send the Ark back to Beth Shemesh where it came from, probably a good idea. And uh, they wanted to know if these plagues were sent by God or were just a coincidence. So they sought a supernatural answer to their problem. Their priest told them to yoke to a new cart two cows that had just given birth and put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. They should lock up their calves and watch and see if the cows pulled the cart straight up the hill. Then they would know God was responsible. If, however, the cows turned and went back to their young, they would know their problems had happened just by chance. So reading from verse 10, they took two such cows and hitched them to the cart and penned up their calves. They placed the ark of the Lord on the cart and then the cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh, keeping on the road and not turning to the right or the left, blowing all the way. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the borders of Beth Shemesh. So they knew that this was from God. The theme Bob Mumford developed was how, when we carry God's presence with us, the Holy Spirit, it enables us to overrule our natural desires and attachments and go in obedience to where he would send us. And the Lord knows this can sometimes be a particularly painful experience but wants us to understand that it's all right to low as we go, so long as we go. It had been a powerful and moving service as the Holy Spirit spoke to the hearts of the audience. And at the end of the service, I was one of 300 people who went to the front to submit our lives to Christ, as we've just sung, his presence living in us to lead us on. The things to note in today's reading are firstly, the Philistines sought a supernatural answer to their question. Secondly, the cows chosen were nursing mothers and had never been trained to pull a cart. Third, the ark on the covenant meant the cows were carrying the presence of God. The Philistines were watching to see if the supernatural, the presence of God, would overrule the natural, the desire of the cows for their calves. And lastly, their calves had been locked away from them. The presence of God caused a deep internal change in the cows, 
overcoming the struggle between the natural instincts and the obedience that God desires. Instead, they moved off up the hill, lowing as they went. Some people in the church today believe that if we feel stress or pressure about a decision we've made, then it can't be of God. We believe that we should have a peace about it. But that is not always the case. There are times when God calls us to a place of obedience and trust. He knows it's painful for us, but desires our obedience because he has a greater purpose in mind than what we are seeing. He sees the end from the beginning. And God is saying, I know it hurts. I know you would rather stay. You can cry about it or low as you go, but just go, even though you don't have all the answers. A few weeks after the convention, I helped my eldest daughter move to Sydney and I spent the weekend with some very dear Christian friends I knew, sorry, some dear Christian friends who knew what was happening in Adelaide and they spent an evening praying with me and demonstrated to me how people who carry the presence of Christ minister to the needs of others. Our purpose is to make Christ real for people in all circumstances, to be channels of God's grace and sharing love and acceptance and forgiveness with other people, to help build others up in their times of need. And that is what my friends did for me. And this is the shared responsibility of all believers. We are all equipped for the task God's called us to because each one of us has a story to tell about God's grace in our lives. And you just might be part of the solution to someone else's problem. As we met that night in Sydney, my friends asked me if I would consider moving to Sydney. I couldn't do that, I replied. My youngest daughter was about to get engaged. I knew my son wouldn't want to leave his father. What would I do about a job, a place to live, a school? There were just too many problems with such a suggestion. I had many reasons why I couldn't do it, lack of finances being one of them. If the Lord provides you with a job, will you come? And they persisted with this questioning, gently dealing with my doubts one by one until eventually I agreed, yes, if the Lord provides a job, I will come. And then the four of them prayed for me. At that point, I think I felt like the man who was lowered through the roof to the feet of Jesus. I had an incredible sense of peace for the first time in 18 months. I went back to Adelaide and raised the matter with my children and got exactly the reactions I expected. And my mother was the one most upset about us moving and I thought, oh, it's all too hard and I got on with my life. Six weeks later, the phone rang. We have a job for you. When can you come? Well, it's one thing to pray for something in the warm glow of a prayer group, but it's quite another when the answer calls you to do something that causes so much pain and upset for other people. But I knew I had to obey because it was surely God's answer to prayers prayed. I was also very thankful that God's plan for us had included my daughter's decision to relocate to Sydney when she did because my son then felt more comfortable about our move because she was already there. The day we left, there was no one to see us off. A few friends and the family had been over for a farewell breakfast, but when my son and I actually drove away, 
there was only my daughter holding my beloved granddaughter on the porch to say goodbye with no one there to comfort them. And I began crying before I was out of the street and the tears lasted for half the trip to Sydney. Then somewhere on the hay plains, it hit me like a thunderbolt as the message I had heard four months before earlier came back to me when I had submitted my life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. My calves had been locked away from me and I had to overcome all my natural instincts to stay with them and keep the family together. But I had been called to go and the pain was so great I could scarcely bear it. I knew the presence of Christ was with us and that he had arranged for us to go to Sydney. I also knew it was okay to go lowing all the way, and low I did. It had been a painful parting for all of us, but God provided for my daughter's needs in a beautiful Christian mother-in-law who stepped into the gap and supported her through this very difficult time. She and her fiancé were married after eight weeks, sorry, eight weeks after we left, and then came to Sydney with us for their honeymoon. As painful as they are, difficult and testing circumstances can yield more than they cost. They develop our character and refine our faith. And 1 Peter 1.7 tells us that these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. God waits for us to give ourselves entirely to him. We can't find our identity in anyone or anything else and we are most ready to give ourselves to him when our world crumbles and we learn then that he gives most when most is taken away. Our relationship with him is personal and has to be real. Truth has to become truth for me before I can share it with anyone else. And some of you have heard a few of us from the platform talk about a daily devotional we do called Every Day with Jesus. And Selwyn Hughes, the man who wrote it, uh, has helped with me with his wisdom many times. But I agree with him 100% when he wrote, we think we understand a truth of scripture, but we will never really understand it until that truth is the only thing we have left to hold on to. Having been through our own trials, we will then have the heart and compassion to care for other members of the body, as my friends did for me. Out of our painful experiences come compassion and empathy for other people and the maturity of understanding. And I heard an excellent explanation of the word empathy. It's your pain in my heart. And I think that is wonderful. We will be far less likely to judge others when we remember that Jesus took every sin and failure of ours, every disappointment, and all our guilt and dealt with it on the cross, leaving us free to share this grace, his grace, with others. And it's an important thing to remember that Christ died, didn't die for sin, he died for people. And people are not problems, they have problems. And when we give him our lives with all of our problems, he gives, it, gives us his life with all of its power. Upon our arrival in Sydney, our friends had found a flat for us, fully furnished and equipped. The day we moved in, there were two bags of groceries at the front door. 
The Lord met our needs in many amazing ways in the time that we were there. The train station was at the end of our street, two stops from my son's school. The church we would eventually go to was within walking distance and the church family there nurtured us through some very difficult times. My son had been feeling really torn between the two places, always leaving his friends again every time he returned from Adelaide. But the youth group at our church really took him under their wing and he soon began to feel more settled and it was a real turning point for us. He went to an Easter youth camp and several of the young people had a deep spiritual encounter with the Holy Spirit and made decisions to be baptised. And I praise God that my son was one of them. And I know that his baptism was genuine because he was double-dipped. He actually fell into the baptistry before the service and I had to dash home and get dry clothes for him. But all joking aside, apart from the lessons I had to learn, among them being a steward of God's money, I believe that camp was the major reason of our going to Sydney. When my son took another important step in his faith journey after giving his heart to Jesus at the age of 10. He now has a beautiful Christian family and last year his 18-year-old daughter chose to be baptised. At the end of two years, my eldest daughter was to be married and my mother was scheduled for a knee replacement operation after the wedding. My uncle, who had been like a father to me, was diagnosed with lung cancer and it was clearly time to return to Adelaide. So I advised my friends who we had been house-sitting for and began making the necessary arrangements. And would you believe that their overseas government posting was suddenly cancelled and terminated and they had to return to Sydney and they arrived home two days after we left. So God's timing is perfect in every way. These experiences showed me that those who are in Christ and carry his presence are all members of his body, the church, wherever they are found. The Spirit unifies us and gives us Christ's heart for the hurting. Part of our purpose is caring for one another, being aware of people's situations and praying for one another. It's being available to be used by God in any situation he shows us to offer love and support and appoint them to Jesus. When he calls us to a task, he doesn't care about our charisma, only our willingness to serve him out of love. And we don't need any prior training like the cows in the reading we had today. They'd never been trained to pull a cart, yet they walk straight up the hill because they carried the presence of God and so do we. He doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called for everything he wants us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Our job description is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I've lost a page here. There it is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. As I said earlier, our role is to make Christ real for people in all circumstances. And just referring again to our little Every Day with Jesus book, this isn't today's reading, but I accidentally 
flipped it open at the wrong page this morning, and he says, God is intangible and invisible. We, however, are tangible and visible. God doesn't come to you and talk to you in an audible voice or put a warm hand on yours when you are in need of support, but I can. And that's what this verse is all around, all about. Just before my marriage to Richard, I heard of an acquaintance whose marriage had also broken up under the same circumstances as mine. I'd been too busy with wedding preparations to contact her, so I sent her a note while we were on our honeymoon. It was a precious passage from Isaiah 54, verse 4 to 6, and the Lord had spoken this to me at a very low time just before my divorce. Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says our God. And as I approached the end of my marriage, God himself was saying that he would be my husband and he knew exactly how I was feeling and what comfort that gave me as it also did for my friend who carried that scripture with her until the day God also miraculously gave her a husband like my Richard. I'm incredibly thankful for this chapter in my life. Through it I came to know God so much more deeply and uh, the way he went before me every step and prepared things in advance for me to step into, to make a way where there seemed no way And I'd just give him all the thanks and praise and honour. And there may be some of you here today that are needing prayer for something. If you're in a difficult situation, if you're feeling exhausted from trying to work things out or feeling fearful of what the future might hold, are you needing hope to be restored? If you need someone to stand with you in faith and believe that God will make a way for you, I would love to pray for you this morning. And Ali and Richard will also be at the front and uh, we're going to sing a um, new song this morning for some of you, but you'll see that the words are very appropriate to the message, but I pray that you can make it your prayer this morning. And Bev and Mike will also be available for prayer as well. So if you need a prayer for anything at all, please come. The Lord is here and his arms are open wide. So this is a new song for us. Um, um, You're more than welcome to join us or if you just want to stand or if you want to come up for prayer um, and just let the words wash over you as you listen to them. Um, So, yeah, if you'd like to stand and, and join us, that would be lovely.
God, we thank you that your spirit fills us when we're the most empty. We know that we naturally follow our own instincts, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own experiences, and have a false sense of knowledge without the deep understanding that comes with carrying your presence. We don't always make Christ real for all people in all circumstances. We don't always show compassion and understanding for others. We default to our own way until we don't know how to move forward. God, we thank you that you hear us when we don't know what to do and when we don't know how to pray. We thank you that you see the end from the beginning and will for us to carry on, even lowing all the way. Amen. All right. We're going to close the service there. Um, If you'd like to stay for prayer, the team's going to still be around. Uh, Otherwise, you know, do feel free to stay for coffee, tea. Uh, We'll just sort of be here for a little bit longer. So if, uh, if you also... The prayer room's always open if you do want uh, to spend some time one-on-one in prayer as well. Otherwise, thank you and go into your weeks in peace.